Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Reconciliation is a unique congressional procedure that allows the Senate to pass legislation by a simple majority. But it does have some strings attached, and it comes with some restrictions. So there are a lot of rules associated with what can be included in a reconciliation bill. For example, it all has to be really tied to funding. The word reconciliation is really about reconciling the budget resolution that Congress passes. Since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws of American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors. Welcome to the NWF Outdoors podcast. This is your host, Aaron Kindle. Today, I have one of my favorite people, one of my favorite colleagues that I get to work with here at NWF joining us to help us unpack what in the heck is reconciliation, what does an infrastructure package look like, and what that might mean for hunters and anglers. I know probably some of our listeners are going, huh? But these are critical for us right now. They're going to determine a lot about our future, about the future of of infrastructure for hunting and fishing sites, for restoring different places that have been degraded. So we wanted to talk about that, and we're lucky to have this person on because she knows as much as anybody I know. Today we have Abby Tinsley, and she is our Associate Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs at the National Wildlife Federation. How's it going today, Abby? Doing well, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, first, uh, I'm just going to intro you a little, tell folks a little bit about your background, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing outside before we jump into the big hairy beast of reconciliation. That word to me just sounds, 
<laughs> just it, it's always like what how I got to fix my books or something I, I don't I don't know but uh, anyway Abby has has a long career now in uh, in working in congressional offices she worked for former Senator Bill Nelson in Florida she's a Floridian we should say we should tell folks that um, and she's worked on things down there like the Everglades and sustainable agriculture and wildlife habitat. So she's got some good experience in the areas our listeners want to talk about. Um, she's also got a, a master's degree in political management from the George Washington University. So she's got she's got the chops in all the different ways so folks know who she is. And with that, Abby, we'll jump over and ask you what you've been doing outside. You've been getting out of doors there in the Beltway. Yeah, um, I do live in downtown D.C., so I don't exactly have a hiking trail in my backyard the way you do, but I've really been enjoying our urban parks, and um, later this weekend, I'm flying home to Florida and cannot wait to do some kayaking on the Tomoka River, which is in my runs through my neighborhood, and maybe hit the beach, too. Awesome. That sounds good. I, I get outside a lot, but I don't get out in places like Florida. I'd like to have some more beach like that in my life come beach on down a, we'll go fishing beach and a, and a nice cold cocktail doesn't sound too bad um awesome well my outside time has been you know like normal just getting in the woods getting in the mountains gearing up for hunting season uh we were fortunate enough to at nwf that that we had a, a little break here last week is that last week yeah it was just last week and i got into the wilderness for some backpacking with an old buddy which was awesome. I spent some time with my kid whose bow season starts in just a few days, getting him a little bit more ready. So lots of good stuff, gearing up for the fall. Love it, my favorite time of year. Also uh, stuff starting to come off pretty hard in the garden. So we're gearing up for canning and, and storing food and all that. So it's harvest time, which I'm happy about. Um, well, good. Abby, let's jump into this, this big thing that that I think folks are probably hearing a lot about. I know folks have heard about the infrastructure package, the bipartisan infrastructure package, the various versions. That's, that's something I know folks have heard about, and it's directly tied to reconciliation because reconciliation helps us determine how we spend money on various things. And I am just kind of a, a pretty elementary thinker on this. I don't know a lot about it, and I keep trying to understand it, and it keeps changing. And I thought it would be great for you to help our listeners understand what's at stake here, because this is going to determine, determine a lot of the future of you know, restoring degraded landscapes, providing more access, um, making communities more resilient to floods and fires and climate issues. So this is a perfect time to just unpack that. And so let's just start. Reconciliation 101. What is reconciliation? Well, you are not alone in not being familiar with that um, big word and, and concept. It's not something that Congress does every year and it does deviate from the normal, you know, um, schoolhouse rock video. We all learned about how legislation is passed. Reconciliation is a, is a unique congressional procedure that allows the Senate to pass legislation by a simple majority, which is very relevant in this Congress when we have a 50-50 Senate. We're in um, a pretty unique spot. So there's not a, an overwhelming majority where Republicans strongly control the Senate um, the way we had in, in last Congress, for example. 
Um, so it's it's an opportunity um, for the ever so slight majority party, which is Democrats in this case, you know, because Vice President Harris could break the tie and has had to do that on a couple of issues already this year. Um, but it does have some strings attached and it comes with some restrictions. So there are a lot of rules associated with what can be included in a reconciliation bill. For example, it all has to be really tied to uh, funding. Um, the word reconciliation is really about reconciling the budget resolution um, that Congress passes. So it's um, it all comes back to funding. It has been used in the past, um, especially more recently, you know, earlier this year, um, the House and Senate came together and passed a reconciliation bill to address the COVID pandemic, um, provide additional funding for hospitals and research and um, uh, schools and cities and towns and, um, you know, every a lot of different ancillary issues associated with the pandemic. So we're getting a little bit more familiar with it because we've had to deal with it already once this Congress. Um, and they are looking to create a, a bigger bill, a new bill, um, that, as you mentioned, does line up topically with some of the issues that came up in the infrastructure package. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of it's Democrats only chance to do some good, substantive, big legislating when they have such very slim majorities, 50 50 Senate, three, four seat margin in the House. You know, um, uh, it's it's just incredibly tight and it's not it's not the opportunity to pass a bunch of bills on democratic priorities that we might like to see, but it's a chance to get a lot of good things done and really make some changes for our future. Cool. So how does this, so I remember we were all part of a fire drill, you know, maybe how, how I can't remember how long ago, a couple of weeks we were looking at and department of interior wasn't even in the package of what could possibly be funded. Now, for folks who don't know, Department of Interior is one of the most important outdoor departments in all of the federal government. That's what uh, holds the BLM, uh, Fish and Wildlife Service. You know, that's that's 200 and some million acres That's of BLM. That's multiple different wildlife refuges. So these are critical things. And the line item was zero. Um, tell us just how, how that, what, how did it end up being zero? And then what did we have to do to get some more opportunities in there? And just what happened there? That was so frustrating. And thank you for jumping into that fire drill. And so many of our, our members and our supporters and partner organizations did um, jump in to correct that problem. I think at the end of the day, that was um, an oversight um, that was based on the fact that people wanted this reconciliation bill at one point to be $10 trillion, and then it was potentially going to be $6 trillion. And these are enormous figures. And the end all, you know, the ultimate figure of 3.5, which is what the, the final bill um, is likely to um, uh, to spend, that's still a big number, right? But, it, but when people were thinking about it in the scope of $10 trillion, they had a ton of ideas and a ton of recommendations for where they wanted to see funding. And a lot of that stuff is... Um, you know, clean energy technology and tax incentives and these really important but very, very expensive priorities. And Department of the Interior, it just felt like, I, I mean, it's inexcusable, but people just forgot that our lands and water and, and wildlife habitat play a significant role in our uh, efforts to address climate change. 
They're also, you know, where people live. Rural communities need different investments and participate differently in the economy than um, than our urban centers. Um, it at the end of the day, we did get money secured and locked down for the Department of Interior. And as you touched on, Bureau of Land Management is one area where we really, really want to see a lot of that focused, especially in a year where we're seeing historic drought and um, wildfire. But knowing that um, there was a backlog of need even before that to put more money into um, restoration and resilience and on the ground projects, um, we are staying laser focused on that during the reconciliation process while the committees start to actually write these bills and make the more detailed plan about where the money is going to go because we are not going to let it fall off the way it almost did. Great. And, and, you know, for folks who are thinking about, for instance, those BLM lands, you know, if there was a fire there previously and we need to come and do some restoration and plant trees, if, uh, you know, flooding happened and it blew out bridges, culverts, different things like that. Um, these are all kinds of the, the kinds of things that we would be looking at with these type of funds. And those obviously benefit hunters and anglers. Abby, so what the heck was that exactly? That pre- money scramble what do we call that 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 you know uh the the time when we heard when we saw those numbers there's nothing in there for the blm what's that what's that called i mean honestly that's the sausage making in some ways that's that's what that is it, it's the it was the moment before the budget resolution itself was actually passed by the senate and ultimately by the house just last week so it was this moment where we were still talking to members of Congress and the chairman of different committees and leadership staff and everyone who was preparing for this, but there was nothing on paper yet. And there wasn't anything that had actually been introduced. So we thought that maybe we were in uh, a little bit better shape than we thought. I mean, I guess we wrongly assumed that no one would forget about the Department of the Interior, but unfortunately it just, it just sort of slipped for a minute um, until we caught it at the end. Um, so it was just it was a scramble because nothing was official until we saw it almost be about to be introduced. And that's when we caught the error and jumped in and were able to correct it. Good. And I, and I have to thank you because I know we talked a little bit during that time and your hair was on fire and you were <laughs> jamming as hard as one can jam trying to make things happen uh, there for us. And, and, you know, for folks who are out in the woods and in the fields and stuff, boy, a lot of the dirty work happens on the Beltway and people like Abby really ensure that we still keep our priorities in front of the, the decision makers and uh, that things like this happen. I mean, I think a lot of people out there did not have any idea what that that was happening and then don't really realize what that would look like if, if we literally didn't have any money for the BLM uh, in something like this. So, Thanks for doing that. Um, let's just talk a little bit more about this. So we know that Congress is going to return here in a couple weeks. And then what happens? Like what's next for this big hairy beast we keep talking about? Yeah, well, the, as you mentioned, the House and Senate are technically on congressional recess, which is when the members return to their home states and their home districts and they try to get out in the field as much as they can to. Um, but they're also still, you know, meeting with um, mayors and local officials and local groups, kind of taking some time away from the muggy heat of D.C. Um, but because 
the House has been doing proxy voting and remote voting. They've also instituted a process where they do committee work during recess from their home districts, right? So they're um, they're working. It's a, it's a break in their break, and they're coming back to work and do DC work. But it's still it's not actually in the House of Representatives, and the Senate itself will still be out for a little bit. So next week, the action that folks will see is um, uh, starts in the House Natural Resources Committee, which is a committee that has jurisdiction over a ton of the priorities that you and I just talked about, right? Like that's where our wildlife corridors um, uh, and wild and endangered species funding comes into play. That's where um, wildfire mitigation and and tree planting and um, capping oil and gas wells and reclaiming degraded land, you know, all of those priorities are um, managed by the House Natural Resources Committee. And on Thursday, September 2nd, they are going to be marking up the first piece of this reconciliation bill that's ultimately going to span, oh my goodness, um, I can't even guess how many thousands of pages, but it's going to be a behemoth. And House Natural Resources is going to put the the details together and put out the pages of how they are planning to spend their allocation. So we'll we'll see the meat start to be built onto the framework that so far we have just seen kind of top line figures for each committee of jurisdiction and what they're going to receive receive receive. Um, and and the details will start to take shape over the next few weeks. And that's a behind the scenes so process. So is it accurate? Okay, Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. That, it's a, um, <laughs> I just, to harken back to our, the beginning of our conversation, it's a behind the scenes process, which is what, you know, occupies a lot of my time and the DC staffers time, but it also is so informed by constituents and what they're writing into members. So when you were talking earlier about, you know, my hair being on fire, you're totally right. And thank you for helping me through that process. But the real way that it changes isn't because, you know, I'm talking to committee staffers and congressional staffers. It's because our members and our activists are writing letters and emails um, to their members of Congress. And they're catching them at the grocery store and saying, hey, what I really need in this package is to make sure that my community gets the resources it needs to do the projects that, that we all know, uh, you know, the area that's in need of repair and the, um, you know, community that needs reinvestment, um, making tailoring the solutions to what really matters. Okay, so is this accurate to say, because I think this is what you were getting at, the actual reconciliation bill is more of a kind of a consortium of a bunch of different bills. Is that what happens? Is it actually all these different bills? Because I know we've been putting pushing for, you know, like the wildlife corridors bill and all these different bills. Is that what it is? Or do they just take pieces of that and make it their own bill? It is a package of bills. So the committees of jurisdiction, like House Natural Resources Committee, like the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, they all work on their piece of the pie and it all gets packaged together at the House and Senate budget committees. And then it moves to the floor for consideration for the, you know, the the full House and the full Senate. Um, But what gets to be a part of that pie does have restrictions. And this is kind of the downside of reconciliation. You know how I said it's sort of a, um, it's a unique challenge and it's an opportunity when we have these slim majorities, but there are difficulties associated with it. And one of those restrictions is that the, the language of the bill has to be tied 
very directly to uh, revenue for the government, to deficit reduction or to generating revenue. So for these really sweeping policy-focused bills that we work on, um, uh, not everything can be included in reconciliation. So we'll see funding investments for our priorities, Hmm. but we might not be able to create whole new programs or really shape what how that funding is exactly spent so it's a it's a um difficult thing yeah well that's maybe a good uh segue too is let's talk about the pay for a little bit Uh, we talked about this a little bit so it's 3.5 trillion dollars with a t folks (laughs) that's huge a bunch of people are sitting out here going how in the heck are we going to pay for that? And I think I was under some misconceptions about where we might get that money or what happens. Tell us a little bit about what actually happens there. Yeah, you're well, you're definitely right that $3.5 trillion does sound like a lot. It is a big deal. Um, a couple of things I would point out. One is that this is spread over several years, five years, eight years, 10 years, depending on the individual program that you're looking at. So it's not a $3.5 trillion every single year going out the door. And the other piece of it is that they are paying for it. They are going to work on this. Um, The House Ways and Means Committee and the Senate Finance Committee are the two primary places where they're really working to identify um, uh, revenue raisers. Um, But we're also looking at that in the natural resource space, you know, um, oil and gas reform, royalty rates, bonding reform. There are a lot of ideas out there and have been popular for a long time about how we can raise more money, especially for the priorities we really care about. Um, so the while the ultimate package might tell us how Congress is going to spend $3.5 trillion, that's not a, a negative on the on the ledger, you know, of of the government and of the Treasury. There is going to be either all or at least a large part of that is going to be paid for. So, you know, it's going to be more of a a balance that comes out to zero, but with a lot of money going out the door for these priorities that, frankly, have just been underfunded for a a very, very long time, whether you're talking about schools or um, environmental justice and certainly in our landscape and our lands and waters and and wildlife investments um, just haven't haven't gotten enough attention. um, And this bill seeks to change that without putting future generations in debt. And now let's pause for a message from our partner podcast. Hey everyone, this is Marsha Brownlee from Artemis Sports Women. We know you love awesome stories about hunting, fishing, and conservation. So head on over to the Artemis podcast. You'll meet adventurous, accomplished women who are redefining conservation through their lives in the field and on the water. Filled with humor, audacity, empathy, and intelligence, Artemis brings you new voices and introduces you to women from all walks of the sporting community. Find Artemis wherever you get your podcasts. I think one of the things we ought to do is talk about how this relates to the infrastructure package. Um, we, I think most people have heard on the news, bipartisan infrastructure deal, blah, blah, blah. There's been a couple different versions. Kat had an agreement. A bunch of leaders got together, kind of ironed out some of this stuff. I want to do two things with the infrastructure package. First, talk about that, how this relates. And then let's give some examples because... I think infrastructure is a broader term than most people think of. 
I think people go like, you know, telephone poles or fiber optics or, you know, a road. But one of the things that we've been working on and that we know about is natural infrastructure, doing things on the natural landscape that actually mitigate issues like wildfire or climate change or flooding and actually have a lot of benefits even to the built infrastructure that we talk about. Um, you know, if you restore a forest and all of a sudden it can handle torrential rains better or it isn't going to burn up, that's not going to send as much trouble downstream, for instance, that will flood a community or whatnot. So first, let's let's go. How does infrastructure and reconciliation tie? And then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what some of those package uh, projects might look like. Sure. Um, so the bipartisan infrastructure package, I'm glad you were hearing about it in the news and all the time because it was really exciting. I mean, I'm a congressional nerd. That doesn't surprise you. You know that. Um, but really getting to see the Republicans and the Democrats come together in a huge way um, to support the same package and really invest in our roads and our bridges and our airports, you know, the traditional infrastructure, but also the natural infrastructure in our forests and our um, uh, Superfund sites, you know, in, in our wetlands. Um, and passing that package was just phenomenal to see. And I think um, I'm going to choose to take it as a sign of good things to come and possibilities that we have to get together to address other things like the biodiversity crisis that weren't necessarily um, fully handled by this bill. But this bill did had a ton of good things in it. I mean, it had uh, $21 billion to remediate and um, reclaim abandoned uh, coal mines and orphan oil and gas wells. Um, it also invested in, as you talked about, um, flood resilience and uh, wildfire prevention, You know, looking at rather than funding disaster after disaster after disaster, which of course we'll still need, you know, to fund when the next disaster strikes. But thinking about how do we prevent or mitigate some of that harm um, in advance, just you know, common sense practices that we know that our biologists and our, um, uh, you know, outdoor managers tell us, like they know we know that it works. So let's put the money towards it so that we're not facing catastrophe after catastrophe. Um, there was also a really exciting one was uh, $350 million to build wildlife crossings, which we know um, improves habitat connectivity and is important for migration, yeah. but it's also a big safety issue. Yeah, we've been working on those for a while. Those are, for folks who, who don't know what that is, there are some of the things you've seen, bridges, big kind of natural, natural planted and so on, bridges over highways and so on, things like that that keep the critters from being hit by cars, keep people from running into them and having a car wreck and going to the hospital and so on. So those are something we've been really liking a lot, especially the hunting and angling community, particularly both because they help fish and particularly big game animals migrate to their winter ranges or back to their summer ranges. So those are huge. They are. And, and they're also a perfect example of the types of projects that could receive funding that are, you know, locally driven stakeholder involvement they they're meaningful for the community you know it's not all just building brand new roads that you know we're not going to see for decades to come it's it's real life um projects and and quick work that we know needs to be done um a couple other things in the bill just to to point out on the water side of things the infrastructure bill 
did a great job to finally um, work to remove lead service lines in our country, which we know tragically have been a long running problem, um, especially in lower income areas and finally putting a ton of money into that. I mean, that puts people back to work, that protects children, that protects our the elderly and vulnerable populations, and that, you know, just invests in better, better infrastructure and better resources for all of us. Um, so I was really excited about that piece. That's something that, that we've been working on with a lot of groups for a very long time. And the president made it a priority and it was funded um, in a big way in the bipartisan bill. Um, also some, you know, coastal restoration for our uh, communities along uh, the shores and then funding for planting trees. So kind of a little something for everyone in this bill and a lot of big investments. Um, and I know some of those dollar figures sound huge, but I got to tell you, like they, they still just didn't do everything we need to do, which is why reconciliation is important. And they and they are linked in the sense that reconciliation is focused on things that were left out of the bipartisan infrastructure package and left behind and maybe some more partisan priorities that don't necessarily have um, the support of of both parties, um, but really meeting the need. So hopefully some of these priorities will get additional funding in the reconciliation package, but we'll also see funding for um, to really, really tackle the climate crisis and um, other priorities. Sure. Uh, so let's back up a little because we kind of got this. You started getting towards it there at the end, but so they're not two separate things because there there's some links. It's like, give me a little more about like how they touch each other. What do they have to do with one another and what, how will they influence one another? Yeah, that's, that's fair. They are to be clear though, two totally separate legislative vehicles. They are separate bills. They have been talked about because they both stemmed from the parent, the president's American jobs plan and American families plan where he laid out what he would like to see Congress invest in, and they got sort of divided into two different pots. If it had bipartisan support, it went into the bipartisan infrastructure package. If it didn't have the buy-in, it kind of got saved for reconciliation, which is why um, climate change and clean energy investments, um, paid family leave, and some of these other priorities that are more traditionally Democratic priorities are the ones that you'll see in the reconciliation package. So they are two distinct separate bills, but they together meet the moment. And that's why we people are talking about them in combination. The other reason people are talking about them in combination, and this might be where your eyes start to get glassy, because I know this is a little bit of the um, congressional behind the scenes <laughs> machinations of a talk, but the um, both the progressives and the moderates have like one of the packages better than the other. Like each each side is a little bit more partial to one than the other. So in order to get them both passed, there has been a handshake agreement and the president has said this, you know, out loud to make it public that one will not pass without the other. So he does not want to sign just the bipartisan infrastructure bill because that leaves too many important priorities behind and that doesn't meet the need and it's unsatisfactory to like the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, for example. But the reconciliation package alone 
scares some of the more moderate members and the centrists and certainly is um, anathema to Republicans um, because it's it's too big and it's too sweeping and it's too partisan. Um, so it, it's really going to take both sides saying to each other, I'll walk if, with you if you walk with me. And that's the only way they're both going to get done. And the timing we're looking at for that is coming up really quick. The Senate passed the infrastructure package. The House has not yet passed the bipartisan infrastructure package because Speaker Pelosi wants to wait until the reconciliation bill is written and she can actually schedule the votes in a sequence, one right after the other, so that neither side has a chance to blink or balk or walk away. Yeah, we had to know that no matter what, there was still tons of politics involved, right? Of course. Um, Well, good. So let's talk about kind of next. Congress is going to come back in full on the 13th of September, I believe. And then what, like what starts happening? Like just give us like day one kind of through the end of these things. Sure. So the the Senate comes back the week of the 13th, um, but the House is sort of back in part because they're going to be doing the committee markups to write the different pieces of the reconciliation bill starting next week in the House Natural Resources Committee. And then the other committees um, who received their piece of the reconciliation pie will write their pieces. And then the House will come back the week of the um, 20th. And that's when we really will start to see the votes on the floor. So a lot of the work, and, and this is true Senate side too, even though we won't actually see the committee markups until they come back into session. A lot of the work is happening behind the scenes. I mean, people talk about congressional recess and I think they picture like members of Congress on a swing set or something, but they're they're really working hard still. They're working um, from their home states and their home districts in some cases, which is fantastic because that gives them a better opportunity to hear from their neighbors and their communities about what they want to see in this package. But the staff is still here and the staff is working late night, certainly through the weekends um, to try to put this package together. So when they do come back, we'll see the product of that work when the committees mark up the bills and there's discussion and amendments and all the fun um, congressional procedure things. But the work of negotiating and putting together the details is happening right now. Cool. First, I guess I'd, I'd love to see all of Congress on a swing set together. We'll just say that right away. Cause <laughs> that, that would be a sight. <laughs> uh, but second, so when do we expect kind of all of this to play out and kind of be resolved and we know what happened and everything's passed and starting to get implemented? Give us a little sense of that. Yeah, it's going to be pretty quick um, or quick in congressional time, rather. It might seem slow to others, but we're, we're looking at October for final passage. I mean, I think you'll see a bill on President Biden's desk for the bipartisan infrastructure package um, by the end of September, potentially the first week of October. The House, I think, is committing to pass it by September 27th. And there's a little bit of you know work where they actually physically bring paper bill to the White House and, you know, transmitting, they call it. But um, and then the reconciliation package, I think, needs to be teed up like pretty immediately thereafter. So I think all of this is all the way done well before Thanksgiving. I think we're talking October. Wow. That's relatively quick, as you said, um, for for the Congress to do anything compared to like when this started. Um, So, okay, let's say 
we're in October or, you know, before Thanksgiving, this is all done. Then what happens? What are we talking about implementation? And is it, you know, I know you talked about maybe it's five, eight years, whatever. What, what, what's kind of like procedurally the next steps? Do, does money just start flowing to these states and these projects or how does it work? It'll come pretty quickly. I mean, it, it immediately, once it's public law, um, the agencies should be quickly getting to work to implement it. I would say uh, some of the money is going to flow through existing programs and existing agencies and, and could get out the door really, really quick. Um, there are other priorities and, and provisions that are a little bit newer, um, and that's going to take some time. So, for example, one of the big things that we're really excited about in this reconciliation package is the creation of a civilian climate core. Some are calling it the Civilian Conservation Corps. And that's um, going to be a fantastic opportunity to put young people back to work, to um, really do a lot of work um, in uh, out west and, you know, removing invasives and all and all of the um, maintenance work and, and repair and restoration and resilience projects that we know are really important um, to many states, but also urban projects, you know, cleaning up parks and creating additional green spaces and um, just a whole range of opportunities. So that program, because it's pretty new, or at least it'll be newly reformed, is going to take a little bit longer to to set up potentially. But um, uh, so it might not be, you know, you might not be at ribbon cuttings the next day, but (laughs) this money is on a, a timeline. So it does need to go out the door really quickly and and get to work. And that's, um, you know, just to go back to the very beginning of our conversation, that's yet another reason we were so focused on making sure that the Department of the Interior received a good chunk of money because the projects that we want them to focus on are things that we think can get done really quickly. So they're not, you know, huge road construction projects or something else that's going to take, you know, your kids are going to be in high school by the time some of those are done. Uh, but they're, they're things that can make a difference like tomorrow. And that's really important. So it'll, it'll be arranged um, and there'll be a lot of moments to celebrate and probably some frustrating delays because that happens. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it should make an immediate difference. I have a few things to unpack there. One, I have a kid in high school. My other one will be in high school at the end of next school Sorry. year. <laughs> I'm older than you think, Abby. Um, second, uh, I think you touched on a couple things that hunters and anglers, outdoor enthusiasts, everybody should kind of think about because I don't, I don't feel like the average person kind of understands kind of the depth, the scope, the touches on so many things that they care about that will come out of this, right? You, you, excuse me, I just kicked some papers. You talked about invasives. You know, we've got millions and millions of acres of cheatgrass out here in the West that are abnormally creating quicker, faster, meaner fires. We've got things like uh, quagga mussels in aquatic systems. We've got stuff down in, in your old neck of the woods in Florida. I mean, pythons and all kinds of everything can live down there. So we can actually start addressing these. And that helps the native wildlife, the the huntable and fishable wildlife and, and those kinds of things. And that this is I mean. That's what I think, you know, if you take 40 years probably at least of not doing quite enough on a bunch of these things and you stack it all up and then you try to address it at once, that's where you get that 3.5 trillion number. That's where you get this big hairy beast that we've got to deal with. 
And I think that's something that people don't quite understand. They just think it's like some kind of wish list thing, but it's really a largely a, a product of neglect. Um, and maybe you can talk about that a little because there's there's bridges that are 40, 50 years old that are literally crumbling into the the, the span of river or whatnot that they're that they're you know covering. Um, there's there's old schools. There's old. I mean, there, there's so many different old things we haven't appropriately invested. And I say that with the frame of reference that you can look around the world, you can look at some other countries, the way they have infrastructure programs, the way they do these kind of things. Many are even incrementally set to spend and take care of this stuff. We don't quite exactly do that. So maybe unpack that just a little for me, because I think that's more important than maybe we, we kind of get away from it pretty easy. It's just like fix stuff, but it's, it's more complicated than that and very necessary. Yeah, absolutely. For some reason, we like to make life hard on ourselves. And every five years, you know, there's this new effort to have a highway bill. And that often um, gets kicked down, the can gets kicked down the road, you know, and, and one bill gets extended, and then there's fights over it. So you're absolutely right. We have neglected our, our roads and bridges, our traditional infrastructure, as well as our um, public lands and, and private lands and super fun sites for too long and that's resulted in a, a higher price tag. This will make a big difference in a lot of those priorities, but you also really touched on it well. This bill should touch and affect and positively impact every single American's life. Like the, it, it's sweeping and it's huge and it's comprehensive and it's a little bit all over the place. But part of that is because it's, um, it's intended to address a lot of different challenges from our climate crisis, environmental justice issues, the biodiversity crisis, you know, all of this has come to a head and has been coming to a head for a very long time. And this bill um, should, should, people should be able to see change in their life from this bill immediately and over the course of years. And, and that's kind of the purpose behind it. It's going to look a little bit different in every community. And I think that's exactly how it should look. There's not a one size fits all. Um, and there's not a, a single path forward or a silver bullet or something. So we're, we're trying to do a lot of things with this bill, but it, um, I think it's going to look good. And I think people are going to be really excited when they start to see the change happen um, and the progress to be made. Nice. And one of my mantras is, is thinking of our country as a community, right? And one thing I love about this is, you know, we're helping every part of that community. You know, some, there's something for everybody. It's due. Um, and, and so I'm happy about that. I'm also, you know, as you might imagine, more uh, excited about the natural infrastructure stuff, right? And there's, and there's yeah. you know, these are real things. I was talking to uh, Mike Worley, who was on our, uh, on our podcast just last episode down in Georgia. And we were talking about some things that he's seeing down there. And, you know, they've had multiple hurricanes, for instance, and they that's destroyed some some nice public bobwhite quail uh, forests. And some of this money could go to, you know, getting those forests back in order, cleaning them up, helping the helping the places where you access that place. And then, you know, going in there and helping get get rid of some of those knockdown trees and making them more resilient to the hurricanes the next time. Um there was a place he was talking about where you go out on the barrier islands and there's some sort of winch that helps you get over some sort of little lock to get out there to the good duck hunting that was destroyed by a hurricane. 
Another cool thing that both is there for safety so boaters can get to and fro. It helps better duck hunting. It mitigates for some hurricanes in the future. There's some cool opportunities here that I think uh, we all ought to be, you know, happy to see coming down the pipe. And I feel like some people have just kind of gotten used to crumbling infrastructure and they don't think that, oh, you know, like, man, it would be way better if like this kind of list that I can easily come up with in my mind were, uh, were taken care of, you know, that'd be nice. And that's, that's such a perfect example that, that Mike and that you were citing, because it's, it's one of those things that would never rise to the full level of attention of, you know, if Congress is passing a standalone bill or something like that, it's going to go towards this. And even, you know, the Great American Outdoors Act and the America's Conservation Easement Act that, um, I'm sorry, Enhancement Act that passed last Congress that really dedicated a lot of money into addressing the maintenance backlog in our national parks, national forests, refuges, um, public lands, you know, there's still little slices of land in between those areas that aren't getting the resource and the attention that they need. So this bill also, I think, really fills the gap and is a perfect complement to some of these bigger, more long-running efforts um, to take care of our natural spaces and our outdoor recreational infrastructure um, uh, and give communities the flexibility to spend it in the ways that they know is right by them. Yeah, and that includes private lands too. I mean, I know there's some ways to help private land owners get some resources when they are, you know, doing wildlife projects or other things that would have a, you know, a public benefit, uh, different things like that. So there really is something for everybody. Um, and, and I think folks, you know, take, take a little time to, to look into what this is or, or get engaged with your decision maker and see what they're pushing for and what the, what the projects might look like locally. I, w- I would encourage folks to do that. What else should we know, Abby, before I, before I let you go? What, is there any other things that folks should just know broadly about this or resources they should be aware of or, you know, anything you want to tell us? I guess the big last thing to point out is just that it's not fully, you know, all the I's aren't dotted, all the T's aren't crossed. It's not fully locked and loaded and baked and whatever other word yet. So there's still time to make it look the way you want it to look. So whether that means really encouraging members, 10 billion isn't enough for Department of the Interior, it should be 20. Tell your member of Congress that, you know, if if you want them to, to know how important you think it is to um, balance the needs in our in more um, uh, Western areas with the resources for coastal states. Tell your member of Congress that. I mean, going to bat for the priorities that we know are important um, is is great from our organization, but it really means something when people get involved. So I would just encourage folks. Um, make it look how you want it to look and communicate with your member of Congress. They, they work for you and they want to hear from you. Yeah. Good plug. And you'll see more from us. Definitely. Uh, both kind of out of the outdoors team and, and out of our big NWF crew, Abby is behind the scenes working as she talked about all those staffers working late nights and jamming all the way through. Abby's right there too, doing the same thing, watching what they're doing, helping make sure they get the right information uh, she's one of the hardest working, best people on this that I've I've ever known. So I appreciate that so much, Abby. I appreciate that you're in the trenches for us. Um, so we don't have to be, but I should also say we're not 
we're not all the way relinquished of our duties. We need to get get those messages to the members, like you mentioned. Um, get engaged. It's it's you know this is a this is a cool you know the the infrastructure package particularly. I really I've been really heartened by the fact that, that you know Democrats and Republicans can get together that common cause that community. Um, it's time you know we we've got a lot of things that that should have been addressed a while back, and it's the perfect opportunity to kind of recover from COVID, get some more jobs on the ground, those kinds of things. So it's the moment. Let's all meet it. Um, anything else you want to tell our listeners before I let you go back to your, uh, crazed, crazed days there in the beltway. I'm just grateful for the chance to be here and, and to talk to you. So just thank you. Appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And I will let you go. And hopefully one of these days we get to sit down in person and, and, and tell war stories and, and have fun. We haven't been able to see one another for a long time, but, uh, keep doing the good work you're doing. And let's, let's get this thing done. Back at you. Can't wait to, can't wait. All right, Abby, take care. Bye. We are NWF Outdoors.